Today we continue to discuss and think about prayer, be challenged to pray more, and be challenged to pray about things that matter, and be challenged to converse with God about even just everyday things as we go through life. Last week, I think we can summarize what we learned or what I was uh, trying to emphasize that I think comes from Scripture, this thought that God speaks to us. He speaks to us still today as we study and meditate upon Scripture. And when I say meditate, I want to clarify again. It's us having God's Word in our heart, in our mind, and actually having His Word on our lips and perhaps even just kind of speaking that, that Word even to ourselves as we go throughout a day, kind of muttering His Word keeping it always with us, letting his word not depart from our mouths, but always be present in our mouths, on our lips. And so then as we, as we think about having God's word with us and in us and concentrating on, us, th- concentrating on it, thinking on it, and speaking it, then we have that opportunity as we hear him speaking to us, then we have the opportunity to speak back to him. That's what prayer is, conversation, us speaking with God. Well, today I want to emphasize that sometimes that that prayer can be a little bit more intense and urgent than that too. I like the idea and the thought of us just having a conversation with God and talking about God, uh, talking to God about things that matter as we go throughout the day, things that we see and we want to pray for and see in people and what they're going through and praying for them. But sometimes there are times that we can have a sense of urgency and intensity that I think Scripture shows us. And it's often those prayers are the ones that show up in Scripture when there's a real issue. And I want to first turn and look at the first use of the term prayer, and it's found in Acts chapter 20, verse number 7. So you go here, this is Abraham in the midst of its journey, has the issues, being afraid for his life, um, And so he presents his wife as his sister, um, and they have this little issue. And so Abimelech uh, is the one who is getting in trouble for this particular on this particular occasion. Now look at Acts, or excuse me, Genesis 20 and verse number seven. It says, "Now therefore, restore this." And this is God speaking to Abimelech. I should state. Now therefore, restore the man's wife, for he is a prophet. And he will pray for you, and you will live. But if you do not restore her, know that you shall surely die, you and all who are yours. This is a life and death issue for Abimelech. And so for this life and death issue, there is only one solution, and that is for Abraham to pray for this man. So Abimelech goes to Abraham, talks to him, and says, What would you do to me? What's this situation? And, and so then we get down to verse number 17. It says, Abraham prayed to God, and God healed Abimelech and his wife and his maids so that they bore children. For the Lord had closed fast the wombs of the household of Abimelech because of Sarah, Abraham's wife. Prayer concerning a life and death situation. There is a, a sense of urgency, a sense of uh, things are very bad, and somebody needs to provide some intercession. Abraham provides that intercession 
to save a man and his whole family to save their lives. That's the importance of prayer. You know, and you think about the prayer of a righteous man. Prayer of a righteous person availeth much. We can pray, and God will hear. And even in these urgent and intense situations, God is ready to listen and act. So prayer is very, very important. We see from the first use of that term, uh, prayer in Genesis chapter 20. Now let's skip on to Genesis 25. So I'm doing, a, I don't know if you noticed the trend. I do this sometimes, usually not three times in a row, but in discussing any kind of biblical topic, it's wise to go back and find out how a particular term was first used or to look at a particular concept and see how it had began in Scripture and how it progressed all through Scripture. So with this idea of prayer, we've already gone back to all the way to the garden, and now we are looking at the term prayer and kind of progressing through. And I think what we establish here with these first couple of examples is something that we can understand takes place all through Scripture. How prayer is used, what it's used for, and the sense of urgency that is often found in prayer. Genesis 25, verses 21 and 22. Now we're going to see here kind of two instances of prayer, but the first one is from Isaac. Isaac prayed to the Lord on behalf of his wife because she was barren. And the Lord answered him, and Rebekah, his wife, conceived. So here is a very important issue. Isaac praying for a need, something that he couldn't fix, something that was wrong, something that was right, something that was kind of counter to the will of God because through Isaac, the promise is, hey, you know, just as I promised to Abraham, the promise comes to you. Through you, you're going to be a mighty nation. You're going to be, be blessed. And so Isaac is with a wife who is barren. And so he's like, this isn't according to the will of God. God has promised children. God has promised a nation. And so we need children. So he prays on behalf of his wife, and the Lord answered him. And the Lord opened her womb. She conceived. She was going to give birth. Well, she had some issues with that. Verse 22 says, But the children struggled together within her. And she said, If it is so, why then am I this way? So she went to inquire of the Lord. So she, I, I hear this verse is saying, you know, she knows that she's supposed to have children and that it's God's will, but then why am I having these issues? Why am I having problems? Why do I feel this is not right? And so then she finds out that two nations are within her. But the point is she was struggling with an issue and she went to God. She went to inquire of the Lord. Isaac prayed. Rebecca prayed. When you have an issue, when you have a problem, it is always good to turn to God, isn't it? Genesis 32. Genesis 32. We're going to look at verses number 10 and 11. 
And we'll go ahead and start with verse number 9. This is after uh, Jacob, his brother Esau. They, they were the twins that were born to Rebekah, Jacob and Esau. Es, uh, Jacob has to flee to the land of Midian to, uh, to find him a couple of wives and uh, to be safe from his brother Esau. But now he's coming back to the land and there's some issues because of the stolen birthright. Verse number 9, Jacob said, so here he is before he comes back to meet his brother Esau. O God of my father Abraham and God of my father Isaac, O Lord, who said to me, return to your country and to your relatives and I will prosper you. I am unworthy. Notice how he prays to God here. I am unworthy of all the loving kindness and of all the faithfulness which you have shown to your servant. For with my staff only I crossed this Jordan, and now I have become two companies. Deliver me, I pray, from the hand of my brother Esau. Excuse me, deliver me from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau, for I fear him that he will come and attack me and the mothers with the children. For you said, I will surely prosper you and make your descendants as the sand of the sea, which is too great to be numbered. And again, here in the midst, and I don't point this out on the, the outline whatsoever, but I'd ask you to consider when Jacob is praying, notice at the very end, he is a praying according to what God has spoken, a promise that God has made. He is trying to align reality with what has been spoken from God. So he has an urgent prayer that the Lord's will will be done. What God had promised, make it happen. So he has a reason to pray. And also notice then he takes his cause He takes his concern and he addresses God humbly. Humility is present. Verse number 10, I'm unworthy. I am unworthy. You are the one who's been faithful. You have done everything to to give me everything that I have. I am so thankful to you. I'm not worthy though. And so now I've got an issue and I pray that you'll help me now just as you've been with me in the past Please help me now. So verse 11, please deliver me. Deliver me, I pray. And that word that's there, the Hebrew that is used for I pray, it's different from the the one in chapter 20, verse 7 that we already looked at. And this one is just kind of an, an earnest. It's a please do this. It's an emphasis, an emphatic word just saying please, now, help. You know, just anything that you can read into that is is it's necessary it's urgent deliver me and you could it could have been translated perhaps please deliver me please i pray and we know those kinds of thoughts and prayers don't we please lord god deliver help and it is in humility but there's also this sense of boldness coming to god and saying you had told told me you had promised me that I would grow up into a great nation, we would become, that would be prosperous and become a great nation. So don't let me get wiped out. God, you got to do something. Act. Deliver. Then I want to 
Fast forward uh, quite a ways ahead to 1 Samuel and hear another beautiful prayer, perhaps one of the greatest prayers that is found in all of Scripture. 1 Samuel chapter 1. Turn there and look with me as we hear about now that the nation has been uh, established, and, and uh, it surprises me, but I think I've preached on it enough or spoke on it enough that, that I'm skipping past the, the intercessory prayer of Moses with that urgent need that he had and how he went humbly but boldly to God and said, don't destroy the nation, don't destroy these people. That's a beautiful prayer, but, oh wait, I didn't skip past it, I just mentioned it, didn't I? Okay, so First Samuel chapter 1, now we go to this great prayer of Hannah. So here she is, the woman who is, is also barren. Another one of these times that we see God's, uh, you know, a, a woman coming, desiring to, to give birth to some, to a child, to have a family, to raise a child in the Lord. And she comes to God. Verse number, let's just look at verse uh, 10 and 11, verses 10 and 11. She, greatly distressed, prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. She made a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant and remember me and not forget your maidservant, but will give your maidservant a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life and a razor shall never come to his head. Now, this is very apparent that this is, uh, this is not a prayer that she would be praying every day, is it? Uh, well, it, it, as you think about her normal life, she probably was praying very strongly about this particular issue for a long time. But this is not what we would consider an everyday kind of prayer that's just kind of we're thinking about God and going through our day and praying a prayer. This is she has this urgent need. She is in great distress. She is weeping bitterly. She is crying out to God. When my mind, as I think about calling upon the name of the Lord, that's what she was doing here. When we have an issue, we call upon the name of the Lord. All the way back in Genesis, um, at the end of chapter 5, was it? Men began to call upon the name of the Lord. A lot of times it's when we have these distress, have an issue, that's when we finally turn to God and call upon Him. But we've got to do more than just call upon Him. When things are bad, we've got to continue to call upon him in every, every day, every normal walk of life. Pray without ceasing. Let us do that. But Hannah is just, just a wonderful example of somebody who is still filled with humility. She is willing to hand over her son to uh, to the Lord, to give him to the hand of, as we saw him, then delivered to, to Samuel, raise him. He's your own. She, ought, she, and she As she prays in verse number 11 in particular, you can hear her, I'm your maidservant. Look on the affliction of your maidservant and remember me and forget not your maidservant, but will, but will give your maidservant a son. She is humble, humble humble, filled with humility, lowliness as she turns to God and cries out to him, there's no one else who can help me. 
I need you. And so there's this humility and boldness mixed together. And it's a, it's a bit paradoxical to, to talk about that. But it is something that must be true of us in prayer. Humility, humbling ourselves, really realizing how great God is, but at the same time having some boldness to go before him. And he loves that when we humbly approach him with boldness. 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 17. Then Eli answered and said, Go in peace, and may the God of Israel grant your petition that you have asked of him. A petition. And you look at these examples, and they're all this sense of a petition. God, something's not right. Will you fix it? Will you act? Will you deliver? Will you save? We don't deserve what you do to us, but we are coming to you and we petition you to please do something. So a couple questions for us to consider just based upon these few verses of people who were in great distress, life and death issues, turned to God and asking for help. I want you, and I want me, and I hope we'll keep this in our minds and in our thoughts all, even this week as we go and, and moving forward, even in a greater way than perhaps you have in the past. Ask yourself, what issues should you be bringing before God? You know, and there, there are some of you who can kind of relate. Oh, boy, Eric, you know, consider, I'll, I'll, load, I'll give you a load of things that I have been praying for. The issues are great. And, and I would encourage you, make sure you go through that list and you sort through it. As you meditate upon the word of God, you have that word in your heart. You know God's will. Check all of those things according to the will of God. These people were based basing their requests, their petitions upon what was good, what was right. It makes me think to hopefully the scripture that we had in our minds this past week, that it said, uh, examine everything carefully, depend upon what scripture you are memorizing or looking at. Examine everything carefully. Hold fast to that which is good. Hold fast to that which is good. So there's only one way we can really truly examine. There's only one guide. Here is the plumb line, isn't it? God sets down his law, his words, his guidance. Let us test everything according to the very word of God. And then let us be praying. And when there is something that's not right in this world, we need to be praying fervently for it. Consider Hannah. Consider all these people that we just glanced at. How, how intense and urgent their need was. So what issues should you be bringing before God? I hope that's something as you enter into prayer this week and as you go throughout this week. That is the first question. As I'm getting ready to pray, what should I, is there something, and there might not be anything right now that is an urgent need. If you think a little bit, I bet you'll find something, though. And then the, the next question is, how can you address God with humility and boldness? 
at the same time. In your life, you know, we've got these examples before us, and I would encourage you to think about humility and boldness. How does that come through in your prayers when you pray? You know, there's this sense that I really think if we get everything, our prayer is aligned. we got an urgent need that's based upon what we know about God and His ways and His word. Then when we come before Him, we can say, oh, you know, we got our head bowed. That's a, that's a sign of reverence and humility. God, I fear you, but I'm coming before you and I'm saying, you have promised something and this is needed. This is, inter- in, this is an urgent need. So, Lord God, please act. I want you to think about that as you go through your week. And I want you to consider some things that Jesus said. So here are some more words pertaining to prayer as Jesus taught about prayer. And this is very overt. It's not just something, well, I think this is a good lesson for prayer. Look at Luke chapter 11, verse number 1. It happened... That while Jesus was praying in a certain place, after he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John also taught his disciples. So pay attention here. Teach us to pray. So now verses 2 through 4. I'm going to make a statement after this, and you can... uh, Well, the statement's on the outline there, and you can see if you can agree with this or not. But verse number 2, and he said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins. for For we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation. And I'll I'll point out right now that in verse number 5 it says, Then he said to them. So the scripture gives a little bit of a break there. Now as I ask you to look at verses 2 through 4, I I would encourage you to think about this is a model prayer. And if you want to pray these exact words, I think that is a good thing to do. And those words are there for us to, to learn from. He said to them, When you pray, say this. But I think we also have to learn from these words and understand that there is a pattern here. And you can look at that pattern and figure it out as we think about honoring God and as we we request for his will to be done and what we need in life and some of these things. Forgiveness of sins, we pray, petition, we ask in God to help us in some way. Lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from evil. These are good Things And we need to consider how we can make this a part of our prayer, part of our conversation, not mechanical, you know, not here are the words, dear God, that I am supposed to say, right? But praying to God, that was our point last week, conversation with God. These are some of the things we should be conversing with God about. But then I would, you know, and and so I said how to pray. This is how to pray in normal circumstances. As you go throughout each and every day, praying to God, talking with God. 
But then I think it shifts a little bit here. And this is where I, you know, I'm kind of interposing my thoughts here as I think about this. And I'd ask you to consider it, and you can figure out if you agree with this or not. But then as we get to verse number 5, I think it shifts a little bit. Then he said to them, suppose one of you has a friend. And he goes to him in the middle of the night and says to him, okay, just pause there for a second. So my thought is this. How many times do you go to a friend in the middle of the night? you got an issue in the middle of the night. It doesn't happen very often, but if you're going to a friend in the middle of the night, there is an urgent need. We generally avoid calling people when we know they're sleeping. You know, so, and that's a wise thing, a little bit of advice I'd give to anybody, right? Don't call people when they're sleeping. Um, so this is, I think it takes a little bit of a different tone here. And I think this is instruction for us how to pray in urgent need. And I think as we read on then, this really fits with some of the things I was, uh, I was introducing up above with these Old Testament passages. There are times in life you need to turn to God and go to Him and be like, God, I need you. Suppose one of you has a friend and goes to him at midnight and says to him, Friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine has come to me from a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. By the way, hospitality, they, that was high on the You take care of people when they come to you. They don't have a hotel or McDonald's to go to. You take care of them. You show hospitality. Verse 7, and from inside. So here is the request. Shout it out to a neighbor. I need your help. And from the inside, he answers and says, do not bother me. The door has already been shut and my children and I are in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. Persistence. So I ask you, verse number nine. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. And he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks it will be opened. Now suppose one of you fathers is asked by a son for a fish. Will he not give him a snake instead of a fish? Will he? He will not. Verse 12. Or if he is asked for an egg, he will not give him a scorpion, will he? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? This is how to pray in urgent need. When you have a request, an urgent need, you turn to God and you go to him Boldly, You go to him persistently. You go to him in urgent need and you say, God, this needs to be done. You do it with humility, but you do it with boldness. Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18. The passage was read before the sermon, before our opening prayer. Luke 18, 1 through 8. Now he, speaking of Jesus, was telling them a parable to show them at all times they ought to pray and not lose heart. 
Verse 2, saying, In a certain city there was a judge who did not fear God and did not respect man. There was a widow in that city, and she kept coming to him, saying, Give me legal protection from my opponent. Opponent, And I like the word adversary that one of the other translations uses, I think NIV. You know, I've got an adversary. Give me protection. For a while... He was unwilling, but afterward he said to himself, Even though I do not fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow bothers me, I will give her legal protection. Otherwise, by continually coming to me, she will wear me out. And the Lord said, Hear what the unrighteous judge said. Now, will God not bring about justice for his elect who cry to him day and night? And will he delay long over them? I tell you that he will bring about justice for them quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? Verse number one says this is instruction how, to pray, how we ought to pray and not lose heart. Pray all the, excuse me. A parable to show them that at all times they ought to pray and not lose heart. The idea of praying without ceasing, that's Jesus' thought. That's Jesus' words. Or as as Luke indicates, that was his point. Pray and not give up. You got something urgent. You don't give up. You do not lose heart. You continue to pray. My mind flashes to our verse that we were meditating upon this past week. Encourage the faint-hearted. We ought to, and I'm encouraging you now, don't lose heart. Continue to pray. God will, it says here, and it's a, it's a funny thing. Here it is in a passage where it's talking about, you know, uh, praying at all times and you know, there's a, an unrighteous judge who's not listening, so you just got to keep going, keep going. That's the example of the widow. But God is righteous. He will hear you, keep coming to him, and he will answer quickly. Verse 7, now will not God bring about justice for his elect who cry to him day and night? They are continuing. We are continuing to pray day and night about this urgent need that we have. Continuing to cry out to him. And will he delay over them? He's not going to delay long. He will answer. Go to him with humility. Go to him with boldness. Consider these passages as you go through this week. Consider these passages how you ought to pray. There's this sense of just normal everyday life. We're going, we're thanking God for the beauty of a day, for his glorious creation. We're thankful for God that we have a car to drive down to to church in the morning. We're grateful for this and that and the other thing. And we're praying for God's forgiveness in our lives. We're having our normal everyday conversations with God. But then when we have something that is of urgent need, we are crying out to him and we do not give up. We come to God humbly and we come to God boldly. I challenge you to continue to look at 1 Thessalonians 5, 14 through 22. And this is a passage that it's easy for me to encourage you to, uh, to, to continue to look at and to meditate upon because I can't say it in my sleep yet. 
It's not one of those passages that just I can rattle it off, you know, while it's, it, you know, while I'm paying attention to a football game or something. You know, it's it's like it's not just solid in my head yet. We got to continue. You got to get it to where, as we would say, you can say it in your sleep. It's as easy as the ABC. Say this verse in your sleep. And let those words be on your heart and on your, week, your lips all week long. Try to, anytime you have that moment that's away from something that's distracting, get back to the Word of God and focus on it. Say it. Say it out loud if you're by yourself. If you're around other people, just mumble it quietly and let them wonder what you're doing, right? Let those words then determine how you pray and what you pray for. Meditating upon the word of God and then entering into conversation with God and considering what is important. Is there something urgent that you need to be praying for? Something urgent that God needs to do and then humbly come to him. And do so without losing heart. Continually, God, please do something. God, please work. God, please let this happen. God, you have said this and so I want to see this. God, it is your will. Please help. Please do. Please act. Have faith that he will. Have faith as you pray with humility and with boldness. Today's lesson is all about figuring out what is worth really coming to God in this sense that there is something urgent and needs to be done. If you don't already have something in your life like that, I'd ask you to focus on God's word and find out what you need to be praying for and consider how you need to be praying for it. Let us be a church and a people who pray. Let us pray without ceasing. Let us now turn our thoughts towards the Lord's Supper and it's my opportunity to give, lead that, those thoughts to us today. And as we get ready to think about Jesus, I will also encourage you to remember that Christ is the one who died for you. And it's only in Christ that you have access to God. For you to be able to pray, we must remember that first we have to give our lives to the one who died for us. So as you think about prayer, the invitation is to give your life to Christ so that you have access to the Father above. If anybody hasn't given your life to Christ, I'd encourage you to, to find, us out, find us today, seek us out, call somebody, call me, and give your life to Jesus. We will get you immersed in the waters a baptism so that you can follow him, live for Jesus all your days. Let us now focus on the Lord's Supper.